Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Amen. The children are going out, if you will. Grab your Bible. We're going we gonna to go to the book of Ephesians. If you will, grab the book of Ephesians. If you don't know where that said, it's right before the book of Daniel and right after Galatians. You with me? So let's grab the book of Ephesians. We're going to look in the fifth chapter. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Right there. I'm good right here. All right, if you were not here Wednesday night, I'm going to have to do a little... A little uh, backtrack here to get, get us on board for where we're at. But let's read this verse out of Ephesians chapter 5. It says, for you, once, for you were once darkness. Let's look at this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord and walk as children of light. Let's read it again. For you once were darkness... But now you are light in the Lord and walk as children of the light. Now, Wednesday night, what we, what we talked about, and we can't go through all of that again. We have that on CD if you want it. But what we talked about is we preached on governing uh, from heaven. And what we are trying to do is, um, in preaching this, I'm just in the, in the vein of the environment, the family structure, if you will, and how to create a wineskin of freedom. How many knows that God wants freedom? You with me? We said that God is in charge. What? Not in control. So I do not believe that the believer is ever to be controlled. You with me now? Except through the internal structure of the Holy Spirit. You with me now? And so in doing that, so when we create an environment for freedom, we're trying to create a, green, a greenhouse, if you will, for grace. How many knows... Uh, because I came from Bacon County, how many knows that there'll be some great tomato plants grown in the greenhouse? But you can also grow marijuana. Come on now. huh? So with that saying, in that environment of grace, whatever seeds are in our heart, they're going to grow in that environment. And so what we have to realize is we are a bunch of what? Humans gathered in this family. And humans do make mistakes from time to time. Can we say amen? The Bible says the righteous what falls seven times, but what he gets back up. You with me now? And so what I want to talk about and what we talked about Wednesday night is that first of all for us to see a restoration process happen. I was once told one time that um, a uh, brother had, had fallen and... Um, I heard a pastor say that I have never seen, I've never seen one man go through the restoration process. Now how many knows if there was 20 or 30 people that have gone before you that have never made it through the restoration process, there probably wasn't much hope for you to make it through the restoration process. So if, if, we, if we got 20 people that can't make it through the restoration process, probably the process is not correct. You with me now? All right. And so what we learned on Wednesday night is 1 John chapter 2. Can we pull that up right there? 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. 
I'm sorry. And then I want to go through those other scriptures that we got. Can we pull this up? First John 2, verse 2. All right. First, well, that's Ephesians 5, 8. We need 1 John 2, verse 2. Right here. And he himself is a propitiation for what our sins. Look at there how the anointing's on me. I couldn't even say it Wednesday night. We didn't learn words that high over there now. But he himself was a propitiation for what our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So through this, listen, so through this, we realize that that word means atonement. Are you with me now? And so the word atonement literally means that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took the punishment for my sin. You with me now? How many knows that the wrath of God was unleashed on Jesus? Because I've heard people say that God's about to judge homosexuality and all these different things. How many knows that God has already judged that sin? You with me now? He's already judged that sin. So therefore, we see in Romans 8 verse 1, Now therefore there is no condemnation what for those that are in Christ Jesus. Are you with me now? And so if there's no condemnation, that means there's no punishment are you with me now? Because if you re- it, remember, uh, Paul said that fear has to do with what? Torment. And God has not given fear. Are you with me now? I'm just trying to teach and lay the structure where we're going. So if there's no, that for fear has to do with torment or judgment. So therefore, what has to be out of our environment is that we want to see people punished for their mistakes. There is a great in humanity, listen to me, in humanity, most of the church is stuck in part A of Ephesians 5.8. We believe, most people believe that humanity is dark. But, but Paul said you once were dark. You with me now? When Jesus came in, your old nature was done away with. The darkness in you was killed and annihilated at that point. Now you have transferred into something called the children of light. And so therefore when we handle one another, we can't handle one another by the old nature which is dark. But we have to see each other as children of light. How many knows that children of light still make mistakes? So here's the deal. I'm going to read a lot to you right here because I, and if God shows half the way up that he did last night about 1 o'clock in the morning in my house, we're going to have church. It always preaches better when you're by yourself than when you get in church. I don't know why that is, but it always happens that way. You know what I'm saying? I was with the cloud of witnesses when Jesus said they was liking it, you know? So listen. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful. Is this not what it says? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now that verse does not apply to the New Testament believer. Your heart is no longer wicked. So you got to believe this. See, you got, we got Christians running around and saying, I, I don't know if I can trust my heart in this. I just don't know if I can trust. If you can't trust your heart, who else can you trust? You have the ability to trust your heart because your heart is no longer dark, but in light. Are you with me now? And so this, this verse of Scripture, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now we are told in Proverbs to what guard 
guard, guard your heart, for out of it what shall flow what? The, the life. The issues of life. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out because it comes out of what? The heart. But in this deal, this is no longer talking about the heart. This is your heart before you met Jesus. And now he's injected his heart into your heart. People love to play judge. That's what the headlines and the newscast is for, for us Christians to help sharpen our judgment skills. Look at Facebook after somebody does something wrong. We use the issue Wednesday night of Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart's racing a car around the track, tire goes over, a man loses his life. Look what Christians put on there. He ought to be killed. It's awful quiet in the church. Somebody's like, my God, what did I put on there? I don't know because I'm not a Facebooker, okay? Huh? I'm barely answered the telephone. So here's the deal. Now let's say this. Let's say he did lose his temper. There's not a person in this room that has never lost their temper. Huh? Let's go this right here. There's not a person in this room that hasn't killed somebody. It's awful quiet in here. Jesus said if you ever hated your brother, you're guilty of murder. Come on. See, we think that grace lowered the standard, but grace upped the standard. In the old covenant, you had to pull a gun to shoot a man. Come on, somebody. In the new covenant, if you look at him in your heart and you can't stand him, Jesus said you are guilty of what? Murder. And here's the deal. Thank God that he didn't take the snapshot on us then. Now let's do this. What I'm talking about is the environment. we got to handle each other as light, okay? I can't handle you like you're dark. But here's the deal. When somebody makes a mistake in the family unit, what it does is it brings offense. You with me now? Because, because Clay did this to me, he's offended me. Now listen to this. Offense justifies, or we think it justifies, Offense justifies, or I think it justifies, or I reason within myself that I have the right to withhold my love. This is good. When others break the rule, we feel entitled to withhold our love from them. God never withholds His love from you. Listen to me. We've been, some of us have been so jacked up by leadership because leadership withheld their love from us. I came to tell you this morning, God would never withhold His love from you no matter what you've done. If a preacher leaves you, whatever, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Jim Baker, when he was arrested, thrown in the cop car, he said he asked God to take his life. He said immediately hurt. He heard the Spirit of God speak to him. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If everybody walks away from you, God will never walk away from you. He is your friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And that is the gospel, friend. Listen. When somebody uh, makes a mistake, we begin to see what, how we look at that person is we don't see the light anymore. I can't believe you acted like that. Huh? Now, all of a sudden, my view of him as I see him is dark. 
And when I see him as dark, I see, I feel like he needs or he's entitled to be punished. <laughs> Say you ain't seen this. The tip, and I'm going through here. The typical model when a man of God makes a mistake, we set him down for six months, nine months, or a year. The only reason why we set him down is to please everyone in the environment that they think he needs to be punished. This is going to go against your grain, but I'm telling you, heaven's got a way better picture of that. Heaven's restoration don't look nothing like earth's restoration. God is always looking at the potential. God is always seeing your best because He's Alpha and Omega. The reason why God is so wild about you is He looks at you from the... He sees the finished product already in place. He don't see your struggle this morning. All right, let's move on. Listen to this. In fact, what punishment, listen, because we see those of, as fail as being unworthy of love and deserving of punishment, how many knows that it hurts? When we see somebody we believe in so much, when they, when they slip up, we forget all the slip-ups we've done. I love when the woman was caught in adultery. Jesus said, the first one of you without sin, you step up right here and pitch the first one. Come on now. Huh? They couldn't throw a rock because every man in there was guilty. We're all guilty in this room. John said it like this. If we say we have no sin, we lie and deceive ourselves. Come on, somebody. Uh, the book of John, don't get preached that much. Not like that. In fact, what punishment most often looks like is, we, uh, is the withholding of love. Unfortunately, listen to this. When we withhold love, anxiety fills the void and the spirit of fear directs our behavior against our offenders. Here, here's what we do. Listen, because you made a mistake, what grips my heart, this is what grips my heart. We say we're doing this, listen, but what really is motivating me is fear that you're going to do the same thing again. And see, here's the deal. How God protected His environment, He knowed that your flesh was weak. The Spirit is willing. But how many knows it said the flesh is weak? Listen. So what He had to do was protect His environment that He's no longer going to look at you as dark and He's not going by your performance. Because if He went by my performance or your performance, we would never make it. What He did is He sent a spotless lamb and His son and He knew His performance would protect His environment. Listen to this, the typical practice of family, church, and government, what happens when we break the rules? Let's say Travis here, I'm going to use him, he breaks the rules. We know he's messed up, it's out in the church. You tell one person, I'm just, I just want you to help me pray about this over with. <laughs> Everybody knows. Because they're going to call the one person they feel like they can talk to. Huh? Then they go, directly everybody knows. And if you ever messed up, when you walk into church, it's like. What most people call discernment is suspicion. And discernment was never to see the negative in somebody's life. Discernment was to see what's positive in their life. 
All right, so when somebody breaks is to set a series of behavior called punishment in front of offenders. Listen to me. Offenders are then often required to walk through these behaviors in order to prove that the family and government are still in charge. We want you to know as leadership, we're in charge of this thing. I'm in charge and you ain't. So you sit down and let me control you because I'm actually deathly afraid that you're going to do something else again. Don't mess up the family. Now there's two sides of the coin. I'm preaching the very good side, but I'm going to show you when David made a mistake that God said you did bring a reproach to the kingdom. And you gave the enemy great access to blaspheme us. You with me now? All right, so we want them to go through us. Uh, uh, the, we we got we to gotta set, we gotta set what, whatever the bar is. It's according to your sin. Most time it's the, the bar is according to what you did. Huh? You have out, uh, sex outside of marriage. Uh, adultery, the bar's high. Nine months. Nine months you're incarcerated. We'll come back and evaluate you and see if the incarceration did anything to you. How many knows it don't matter how many? Listen, time does not heal all wounds. That is a lie. If time healed all wounds, people be out of prison doing great. Time don't heal all wounds. It's what you do with the time. You can put somebody in bars for their sin and never fix the issue. The issue is not the sin. It is the heart. Man, come on. This thing won't turn every time. In this way, so, so, so we put them through the thing. We want to know that we're in charge. In this way, we help confirm what offenders already believe. They're powerless to change. And they're powerless to, stay, to take responsibility. When a person makes a mistake, we have to have an environment which that person can own up to what they did. Because if you don't see what you did, you can never change what you did. Now, let's read some Bible right here. You with me? We got a long ways to go, but we're going to be like smoking the bandits. We're going to say what they, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do what they say can't be done. Let's go to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Man, we got plenty of time. Somebody said, oh Lord, he's going to preach forever now. <laughs> Second Samuel 11, you there? I got to read this whole story, okay? So let's get on it. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when King David, at the time when kings go out to war, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him and lay with her. 
for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now what you got to understand, that they didn't have a pregnancy test. Come on. So this ain't a one weekend event. This is months now in the process. So then David sent Joab saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. In other words, I'm fixing to go get her husband. He's covering up what he done. Come on now. We're in the book. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So David told, saying, uh, so, so, so when they told David, saying Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark of Israel, the ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my, my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also and tomorrow. I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem. That day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and he drank before him and made him drunk. And at evening he went out and lay on his bed with the servants of his Lord. But he did not go down to his house. Do you see any plot in here? So what he's saying, man, this dude's got integrity right here. So to get him off of his integrity, I'm fixing to get him drunk. And when he gets drunk, surely he's going to go down and see his wife. And he didn't. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now here's what you've got to understand. David is pinning out a letter. And he folds the letter, creases it, and places it in the hand of Uriah. You with me? And says, take this back to Joab. That man is walking with his death sentence in his hand. You with me now? You with me? So it's going to take him a journey to get back to Joab. He doesn't read the letter. Because if he did, he'd have made a U-turn. <laughs> he don't open the letter. You with me now? The letter is his death threat because the letter says put Uriah on the front line. When the battle gets hot, withdraw from him that he may be killed. Now in this process, when David sent him out and when they put Uriah on the front line, Uriah wasn't the only one that lost his life. There were other men that lost their life. Joab sends a letter back and says, not only is your not he first he when he sends the letter back, he explains that other men lost their lost their life, but to let you know, Uriah was one of them that were falling. David said, sends a letter back, Joab, don't worry about it. The sword of the Lord comes on the just and the unjust. Let's go on with it. Now Bathsheba is mourning. You with me now? I'm just going to preach it out of my heart. Is that all right? For time's sake, because I want to cover something and do something at the end. So Bathsheba's mourning. So Uriah 
is dead. She's, she's mourning for her husband. David is living life like normal. Everything's good. Now Bathsheba's in his house. He take, he's taking her as a wife. Lays with her again. You with me? After, I'm speeding the story up right here. First of all, the baby she's carrying. The baby she's carried in there, so life's going on. So what God has to do is he raises up a man named Nathan because David don't see where his heart's at. Listen, God don't drop the hammer because of just because you're doing things. Listen to me. I know that sounds like, well, you can get away with it. No. When, when things infect your heart, when your heart gets infected, God's going to raise a man up to talk to you. You with me now? So Nathan comes. And, and I love the story. This is in 2 Samuel 12. Nathan brings a story to David of a man that had one lamb and one, and one man had plenty of money. And so the man with plenty of money and had everything coveted the man's one little lamb. And he took it. And he took it for himself. And I love David's response. Surely whoever this man is, let's kill him. And Nathan said the startling words, you are that man. You took the wife of Uriah. God gave you everything and would have given you everything, but you used your position to gain something that God never intended you to have. And he said, you are the man. And then he begins to tell David, what's to do. because of this, the sword is never leaving your house and the baby in her womb is going to die. Now, let's speed that up because all of us in here in this church this morning, if we were preaching about David, we would talk about, my God, we want to have the heart of David. This was in the heart of David. David was a man after God's own heart. But how many would come in modern day time and listen to David preach the gospel? Well, let me tell you what your pastor did. Your pastor took a man's wife, had him murdered. He went on. Let's go a little further in this thing. First of all, how many believes that because we're wired for justice, we want to see something happen? Listen, if it's in your heart to see bad things happen to good people, something's wrong with your heart. I've heard leaders say things like this. If you leave this church, your life's going downhill. Let me tell you something. That's not the heart of your father. That's a curse coming out of an ignorant person's mouth. I'm sorry. Huh? Your life ain't going down or up because of me. Listen to me. Your life is going up or down because of what Jesus did for you. And your obedience to the, to the, to the call of God on your life. Well, let's move it on up. If you look at the consequence that David got, it don't look like that he got, God did not meet out to him to what he should have got. David should have died. He took a man's life. Why didn't he die? Now, the child did die, but here's the deal. The same woman that he had the affair with, he, he lays down with her again, she gets pregnant again, and what's inside of her womb will become the king of Israel, named Solomon. What kind of God does something like that? One full of mercy. 
What you've got to understand, I love Psalms 136. It says, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 2, for his mercy endures forever. Church, listen, mercy triumphs over judgment every time. Put your judgment on the scales and mercy will always swing the pendulum back to mercy. Now, Peter, Peter denies the Lord three times. Jesus said, for the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Judas denies him once. There's a different outcome. The woman in John chapter 8 was caught in adultery. That means that cheaters was there with the camera and caught her. When you called is not hearsay. And the rules for the environment said because she was caught, she got to be stoned. Jesus had the rule book with him. But Jesus had a higher standard than that earthly set of rules. And he knew that Father sent him not to condemn life, but to save life. Jesus, this is what he means. Listen, I'm trying to. This is the correction and the set of rules Jesus met out to this woman. Go and sin no more. Are you serious? This lady was in our church and she's committing adultery, was caught in adultery, and you telling her, us, that the correction that you're going to place in her life is go and sin no more. Listen to me right here. This is what I want to get you to see. The whole issue, why did Jesus, why did it seem like he let some off the hook and and some did not get off the hook? Judas didn't get off the hook. Judas went and hung himself. How many knows the Bible? We're in the Bible. The difference is, it's one key word called repentance. What made David different from Saul? David killed a man, raped his wife, and then had, his, had, his, had her husband killed after he got her pregnant. Hmm? Saul simply just disobeyed the word of the Lord from Samuel to kill everybody. Saul goes down and David's still reigning. The difference is David spent seven days on the floor. While that child was, when that, after that child was born. Remember, Nathan said the child would die. How do you know David repented? Because we don't see Bathsheba number two nowhere in the Bible. Something happened in the seven days. Listen, and repentance does not mean that you, I do believe in godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. But it don't mean you got to come and weep, sit in a jail cell for six months. Repentance means you have a change of heart. What led you to that place to start with? But listen to this. Repentance. Repentance only works. The only way that repentance, see, what we have to believe, what we have to have is a relationship base. We've heard that preached a lot, but the relationship has to be a heart to heart connection. 
when we have a relationship with heart-to-heart correction, a heart-to-heart connection, then repentance will suffice that environment. But if the environment is rule-based, when you break the rules, that's it. Repentance is not good enough then. And all kind of environments is filled with different types of rules. I gave a scenario Wednesday night. In 2005, in November of 2005, my father thought he had a kidney stone. It turned out to be a, a, about the size of a thumbnail, a, pancre- uh, on, a tumor on his pancreas. We buried him. He died July the 31st the following year. During that time, listen, we were on staff at a church. We were on staff at a church. Catherine and I, we were making a large amount of money of $75 a week as in the youth ministry. And I was commanded to work about 20 hours. Should have called the labor union. <laughs> when we were building our new sanctuary, I had to be there every night. Did I? I'm telling people's story. We had to be there every night, and I was called in the office and said, you above all people should be here for your paid staff at this church. I said, my God, keep the $75. It ain't doing nothing no how. I mean, Lord, I paid for that $75 Monday night. You know what I'm saying? And that's at minimum wage. I would leave to go to work the next morning, drive by the pastor's house. They were still asleep. Come on. During this time, my father was in Memorial Hospital in Savannah. Catherine and I pulled back from our giving from the church and we started helping my mother. Well, it didn't take long because, see, the environment filled with rules. This was one of the rules. You're going to tithe. I believe in tithing. Anybody want to see my record? Look at my check I gave this morning. We believe in tithing. You follow what I'm saying? But here's the deal. There's a greater rule than just your tithe. Not one time did the church say, John, could I help pay for you a tank of gas? Not one time. Not one time did the church offer to help my family. Not one time. I was called in the office and said, you cannot preach the gospel in this church because your tithe is not current. So you telling me because I'm a tither, that's what got me behind the pulpit? Is that what you're telling me? Huh? So you're telling me that I bought my way straight to the top. It was not my gifting or calling. Are you with me now? Huh? But how many knows this, that my relationship with God was not hindered because I took the tithe out from the church, and if I had to do it over again, standing right here today, I would do the same thing again. You with me now? It's awful quiet in here. Well, I don't believe, I don't believe people do something like that. You... you. Let me send you to a few. So here's the deal. Because the rule was broken in our environment, I couldn't preach the gospel. You follow what I'm saying? And so then, when we had, we had higher up in our structure, in our environment, so when I went higher up the ladder, they approved of me. Said that that was not an issue. They approved. Then we were called back and said, I think you need to preach in here. We prayed and we feel like you should be able to preach in this church. Remember that? But that was only because the hierarchy said they. Have... 
listen, repentance does not satisfy the broken rules. Repentance will not work in an environment where everyone are protecting the relationship with rules. In a rule-driven environment, repentance has a different meaning. It signifies your willingness to be punished. You with me now? You are repentant when you allow me to inflict my punishments upon you for whatever offense you have committed against me. The issue of the heart that led you led you to make the mistake in the first place is never dealt with because the issue of relationships and love are never touched. Now let me say this. I don't believe in t- talking about counseling whatever uh, in the pulpit, but let this, this person is no, not in this county. This is, but I'm just going to use this and I'll tell him I use this and he don't mind me using this. I had, a, I had a man to bring me his son that was 20 years old. He, because everything's so accessible on the internet, he, he was in a relationship that his parents thought that he's going to marry this girl anyhow. He's on dating sites and everything else and just uh, sending out um, you know, texts that he shouldn't be doing to other girls and the girl left him. The whole family, you know, I mean, they just thought the son was going to marry this girl. It was just all in a turmoil. And so what you had is this other family was in church, you with me? The daughter's family was in church, and they, they, they read it to what they wanted was the noose. I mean, are we going to hang him at the courthouse or what? That's all they wanted. This is real issues that go on in church. Come on, somebody. So I'm thinking, are we, are we going to hang him or what? I mean, what y'all going to do? So here's the deal. What, all they could see was what he'd done wrong. Listen, what he'd done wrong was not his issue. After 10 minutes of talking to him, I realized that that wasn't his issue at all. His issue was he had a poor self-image. He was small frame little. I said, listen, all of us big dudes want to be little. All you little dudes want to be big. What you have to look in the mirror, huh? I mean, I'd like to go in there and get a medium shirt. It just ain't going to happen. But I'm not looking in the mirror saying, my God, I hate myself. See, if you look in the mirror and do that, you give the enemy access to your life. You listen to me. What you have to do is realize Psalms 139, you are created in the image of God. He knows you're rising up till you're going down. And what God created when He created you, He said, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You with me now? We fixed the two issues. The second thing He believed is that God gave up on Him. We fixed those two issues and he ain't had an internet problem since those issues. That's what restoration is. Alright. In a rule driven culture, the general attitude toward a repentant person is you have surrendered your will to me and our environment. I'll never be able to trust you though because you have proven yourself to be a lawbreaker. And that fact will rest in my memory for a very long time. It's going to be a while till I forget what you've done. It's quiet up in this room. It's going to be a while, brother, till I forget what you've done to me. Well, here's the flip side of the coin. You got another father in heaven who says, I cast your mistake as far as the east is to the west, and I will never remember again what your sin is. Listen, there's a whole different deal. One is coming from an earthly structure, and the other is coming from, hey, he's still a child of light. Don't treat him like darkness. You have to call out to the new 
new creature inside of somebody. The new creature is perfect in the eyes of God. Well, he did it one time. Watch what he'll do the second time. Huh? I've seen people in the church that has made a mistake, and this is the response. I didn't believe he really got it to start with. He didn't really have it. Well, praise God that you're not my daddy. Huh? See, the deal is Michael Jordan got cut, according to Google, his freshman year in high school basketball. But he had a daddy that says, Michael, I believe you're the best. Michael, I believe you're the best. I know that coach don't say, but I'm telling you, son, I see something in you. There's something special about you. And because of a man of encouragement in his life, number 23 will hang forever. Come on, somebody. And he's one of the best that ever stepped on the court because somebody believed in him. That's what we want in a culture. When somebody makes a mistake, they want to call him back. Travis, let me remind you, son, you are light. You are not dark. Get up and run, son. Knock the dust off your feet. Get up and run. Oh, though you made a mistake, Listen, yes, you offended me, but listen, listen to this. If you're offended at that person's mistake, you don't even have a right to help them back in the fold. Because everything you're looking at, you're looking at through your offense. This is good teaching, y'all. I don't care what you say. I'm telling you right now, this will make a Baptist run around the room. Listen, I'm never going to empower you again. I've heard people say this. I tell you right now, I ain't never putting them back. So, so you're the judge here that God put on the earth to say whether they put back or not. Is that what you're saying? Boy, this right here gets you thrown out. True repentance is a gift. It's not, it's not your option. It's your call. It is a gift that comes in relationship. There is no place for repentance in the rules. There's only room for punishment. If you break our rules, then you pay our price. You do the crime, you do the time. The gift of repentance creates the opportunity for true restoration. So what does true restoration look like? An old meaning of the word... I got this word right here and this sentence right here from Danny Silk. An old meaning of the word re to re restoration refers to a process of finding someone with royal blood. Finding someone with royal blood that has been ousted. Boy, I feel, I'm telling you, last night, Clay, at 1 o'clock in the morning, I was running around the yard. I'm telling you no story. It is finding someone with royal blood that has been ousted out of rule and bringing them back to the right place of rulership. See, I'm about to preach right here. I'm about to haul off on my hind legs and holler right here. Listen to me. In Luke chapter 15, there was a story of two sons. One son asked his father for an inheritance, and the father gave it to him. Are you listening to me? He went out and said and wasted the money in wasteful living. 
You with me now? And he comes back and he says, Father, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father looked at him and said, listen here, there's royal blood flowing in that man's vein. And I'm going to go down and get him and bring him back because once royal blood flows in your veins, you are destined to rule. Are you with me? And mistakes don't hold you back in the kingdom of God. Listen, knockdowns only makes you stronger and builds character and integrity in you. If you'll repent of that thing, God has the ability to change your heart. So what restoration looks like is finding people with the royal blood that has been ousted. There is people all over America in the house this morning that has been ousted by the church. We need a church that wants to look for the royal blood to see them back in their rightful place. Now here's what you do. Wednesday night before service, I was a little stressed out. And so I was trying to pray, and Catherine, she come in, and I was trying to finish up my message. And she was trying to just wait after church. So we got home. The Lord, we had a real good service in here Wednesday night, I thought, anyhow. I at least gave it a C. You know what I'm saying? It was good. Every time somebody has a service, I said, this is one thing I know, the preaching was off the chain. Now the rest, I don't know about, but the preaching was good. Listen. <laughs> Listen. So we got home, got the kids in. Catherine walks out in the yard. She said, John, i got to show you something. And I said, what in the world? She said, well, Grant left the key in the golf cart and Asher T-boned the side of my truck. I didn't see it when I got in the truck. See, the Lord blinded me from it. I noticed things about like that. You know what I'm saying? So three-year-old was on the golf cart, boom, right in the back fender. And Asher said, Daddy, he said, I crush your truck with a golf cart. <laughs> I said, uh, then he does this. He said, but I'm real sorry, Daddy. I said, let's go inside. Here's what I'm going to tell you. He made a mistake. But ain't no way I'm ousting him out the family. $100 it may cost me. I'll get that dent out. I'm probably not going to pop by. I'm going to put it up on the rack, and I think it's just right where I can take a rubber mallet and conk it one time and it's back out. But that truck can be replaced. You follow what I'm saying? Now, why do we oust people out of the family because they made a mistake or because they disagree? I'm asking you, when you see that happen, what you are is in an environment where we value rules above relationship. Did you hear what I said? When that happens, we're in an environment that, inv that value rules over relationship. And here's what I'm telling you, Jack, the one that's in authority. You don't have the right to say because this person made a mistake, they can never be back. Because the simple law of restoration is this. If you've got a 55 Chevy and you restore it, you restore it back better than the condition it was in. 55 Chevy didn't roll down the road with disc brakes, but they do today. They didn't roll down the road with a CD player, but they do today. They didn't have leather interior, but they do today. 
Why? Because the law of restoration places it back better than it was in the original condition. And when God restores you, He puts you back better than you were to start with. I'm almost done. Most fallen leaders leave their churches and denominations to make a fresh start. Why does that happen? I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not preaching about overlooking somebody's mistakes. We deal with it. You with me now? But if a person repents and they're honest about where they're at, what else can you do? Are you with me? Now here's the difference. Jack, if you're prideful and you don't, don't repent, that is going to take his belt off. It's awful quiet in the room. Huh? See, there are the souls that don't care what they've done. Huh? There is the soul that says, I know I messed up, I'm not worried about that. But Samuel, would you please walk with me in front of the people where the people think everything's alright? There's two total conditions of the heart different. You with me? So what they have to do is they leave. Man commits adultery. I'm, I'm shocking you. I guarantee you. I am. I've shocked myself. But I'm telling you with all my heart that I'll stand right here and die for this belief. The law of the kingdom is love, friend. That's it. That's what it operates on. God, He is not trying to be love. He is love. You with me? And I'm telling you, what I, what I stand not to see is brothers shot in the back of their head because they made a mistake. And they can't fit in with our environment no more. Huh? What you going to do at the house or at the house when a man makes a mistake? You throw, I, I'm, boy, I'm getting out there on a limb. Huh? Do, do, you throw, do you throw the brother out because he made a mistake? Here's the deal. You, you try to get him to see what the issue is. You follow what I'm saying? If he's unrepentant, then we throw him out. You with me now? It's quiet. Lord, he... So what they have to do is, listen, why they leave town, number one, because the church can't let it go. So what they have to do is they have to find a group of people that is not afraid of them breaking the rule. We don't know, so we can believe in you. Out in the room. It don't look like, let's be honest, when we have seen leaders fall, it does not look like somebody has been restored to the royal priesthood. What it is, is we oust them and put a mark on them. And we call everybody in our inner circle, don't listen to them, don't listen to them. They're offended in their heart. What that is, is, is a person in full-blown fear mode trying to protect their rule. One thing about David is he never minded being dethroned. And what you have to learn to realize is this, where man recognizes anything in your life, if God called you, he called you. When they told me I couldn't preach no more, this is what I knew. 
I knew that that pastor, number one, wasn't in the back seat of a 1997 Ford Dooley when God called me out of a red pocket New Testament, out of the story of Matthew 25, the story of the ten virgins. God called me that day to preach the gospel, and I knew it in my heart. Almost done. Boy, this is gonna have this. This is good broccoli to chew on. After John declared that Jesus was the atonement for our sins, he concluded this. 1 John 4.12, If God so loved us, that is God's willing to protect His relationship with us, and, and instead of protecting His relationship with His rules, then we also want uh, to want love one another. In other words, we ought to love one another the same way. See, it's, called, it's about cultivating and protecting our relationship with God, with love, and with each other. If we can't do it, we won't reflect heaven to, to the society we live in. Now, this is what I heard years ago um, when Ted Hager went down. I heard a prophet say this. When the church gets an opportunity to show the love of God to the world, we always fail. Here's a, I can't believe he did that. Huh? Here's the deal. God knew what Adam was going to do in the garden, and yet he still put him in the garden. God had factored in all of your failures before he ever called you. Me and them with this. I already said enough. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a scenario that happened of restoration. And it's this. There's a worship leader at a thriving church. You want to come over here and play? There's a worship leader at a thriving church. They hired this man on staff, extremely gifted, extremely anointed. The church began to flourish. They put him and his wife I mean, they, they immediately rose right to the top serving on that leadership. The church was doing phenomenal. Everything they touched seemed like the hand of the Lord was right upon their life. This worship leader had something gnawing in his heart. And he came clean with his leadership and confessed to having a four-year affair with his wife's best friend. Real issues go on in church. You with me now? See, we don't, y'all like, God, why is he preaching something on this? Because the deal is, as days move ahead, somebody's going to let us down. Questions begin to roll. My God, how could that man passionately worship God and draw us into the atmosphere of heaven and he's dirty, filthy. Well, the church had their leadership structure was like this. Set the brother down, we'll incarcerate him for nine months. We'll incarcerate him for nine months. We'll beat the hell out of him. And hopefully if he walks around here confessing his sin enough to the people, 
We'll forgive him and may let him play a song once a night. This leader stopped for a minute and he called Danny. And Danny, Danny Silk said this. He said, let me lead, meet with him for two hours. And I pray that you would just hold off. Don't do nothing. First of all, I want to say this. If a man is honest about where he's at, he's crying out for help. He's not happy about what he's doing. Are you with me in this room right here? He's not happy. If he was happy about what he was doing, he would have kept it covered. But the fact that he uncovered himself. This is in my life. Every person in this room has something in your life that you hate. And you, and you go to God and say, God, I'm tired. This ain't me. This ain't, this ain't it. But, but right now, this moment, this is a part of my life. But would you help me? He goes in the room. For 20 minutes, he tells Danny how sorry he is. What's, what, what filthy piece of trash he is. Because what he done. And he's waiting for the judgment call or the gavel to come down. And say, nine months incarceration for the trash that sits before us today. Danny never addresses the fact of the adultery. What he goes back to, what God is always trying to go back to, what's causing you to do that, son? What's causing you to do that? And what he realized is his father, listen, his earthly father never showed or expressed love to him. And so he asked his wife, he said, how... How often does he express his love towards you? She said, he's never really done that. Nor to the children. But yet, when he got alone with God, he poured all of his passion out on God. And what he realized, man, that adultery is not my issue. What my issue is, is I don't know how to give love because I had a dad that never showed me how to love. And so he repents to his wife of withholding his love. And he sets his children down and he repents to each child. And I'm sorry for daddy withholding his love. And all of a sudden that dark area in his heart got filled with the light of heaven. And restoration took place in office. Church, please see what I'm trying to preach to you this morning. Please see when I came to this church in February before we ever moved I had a dream and in that dream I don't know if it was a vision or a dream I've only had three to this level three or four and I saw in my dream I saw a man sitting on the steps talking things out of his heart that he believed and then he, he said the word cash. And when he said the word cash, there was a man come out of the carport and the man pointed the gun at him and shot him right behind the head. And I remember circuiting that man falling down in, the, in my dream and I saw that man lying on the concrete dead. 
And the man that shot him flipped the revolver. First, before he flipped the revolver into my hand, I walked around and I was barefooted. But I, but I had socks on and I could feel the blood coming up from the bottom of my feet. And I said, I feel his blood. I feel his blood. And the man flipped the revolver in his, my hand. He said, now the fingerprints of this weapon is on your hands. Listen, I'm telling you, I know this to be true. There's a lot of people that's been murdered in this church. And their blood, the blood is crying out. They've been ousted. Come on, don't act like we're not talking about something. They've been ousted from the fold because of mistakes or what was seen to be mistakes. Listen, we can't run a family like that. That's not how. That is Cain and Abel. That's brother killing brother. And God is never for brother annihilating a brother. Listen, the guns need to come off of each other and let's point them straight at hell and back the devil up and quit shooting one another. So... And here's the deal. The man said, he said, I feel so guilty for feeling so great. And Danny said, the reason why you can feel great is because Jesus felt so bad hanging on the cross. See, God the Father will never turn His face toward your sin because He turned it one time and He turned it on Jesus but he won't turn his back on you. So Danny called the church. And he said, well, he's good to go. Pastor said, what? He said, he's good to go. He said, hold on a minute now. This brother right here is sitting down for six months at least. We're going to incarcerate him. We're going to cane him across the back and move forward. He said, well, this is what I'm asking you. The man's repented. Restoration come in his heart. He's a different man. And he said, you're going to cut the flow of heaven that that man brought to your church off your church or you're going to trust God with a higher level. That pastor took the risk of being ousted really from all of his comrades around him. And he said, I'm going to believe in what God did. That's been over a decade and that man has never had another issue and life is still throwing, flowing through that family. God revamped that whole family, his children, everything in his life is better today. There was never no time of setting down, no time of beating from the church. You listen, it was just an issue that got tweaked in his life. ain't doing that preacher we ain't doing that no sir no sir you make a, listen I ain't got a skeleton in the closet that's coming out next week I hope I'm just simply saying restoration's got to look a whole lot different than the six month nine month period and we never deal with the problem I've got many scars from being in the ministry. To me, what I felt like was the greatest womb of my life when I had a brother to leave me and Alma that I felt like, and I told Catherine, and I, I still say it to this, it was a whole lot easier preaching my dad's funeral when he died at 52 years of age than it was for that man to walk away from me. 
But I can tell you this, today I can put my arm around him right now and kiss him on the cheek with authentic love and give him anything he wants from me. You with me? Because of the love of God. You with me? I want you to stand up. This is what I felt like last night. And if nobody moves, that's fine. Don't feel like you got to move. <clears throat> I just want to play this one song right here. Can I do that? Um, I brought this jacket because I didn't have a robe. But it's a 52-inch coat. It'll be like a robe to a bunch of you. I couldn't hardly go to bed last night. I felt like the Lord told me to do this. I'm looking for the royal blood this morning. You hear me? God's looking for the royal blood. I just want to drop this coat because I prayed in this coat for over an hour last night in the presence of the Lord. If you feel like in your life that you've made mistakes, if you feel like because of your mistakes you can't do what you were called to do, listen, it's a crazy thing to believe that mistakes are greater than destiny. Hear me? God is all about getting you to your destiny. They may be some crooks in the road. They may be some hills in the road. But God's going to get you to His destiny. I want to tell you this, Philippians. Paul said, He that hath begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus. You are going to be completed. You're going to be finished. Everything that God said He was going to do with you, He is going to do. Now listen, if you feel like I made some mistakes... And because of my mistakes, my destiny's been altered. I want you to move right here. You don't have to move, but I'm telling you, I feel like the Lord wants me to put this coat on somebody. I'm looking for royal blood. Church, I want you to stretch your hands towards these men. I want to tell you right now, you're royal blood. You're royal blood. We recognize you as royal blood. You're not ousted from a family. You're in the family of God. What makes you perfect, what makes you worthy is Jesus hanging on the cross. He took your punishment. He took your mistake. He took the mistake of every person in this room. Now I want you to help me pray. I'm asking you as I place my coat upon their shoulders, I'm asking God right now that you would break every hindrance off of their life. You would destroy every lie of the enemy, God. Right now, you would break the, the thing that the, the enemy would lie and say they're not worthy. They're worthy in you, God. Come on, church, help me pray.